y'all. How you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income and crush their financial goals. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about getting into real estate with no money down. Is it a scam? Let's find out. Enjoy. Episode number nine. Thank you. Thank you. If this is your first time, thank you. Thank you. If you've been rocking with me for all the previous eight episodes, I thank you as well. Um, special shout out to uh, VA in Texas. I literally know maybe two people in Texas and no one in VA. And so um, I've been seeing y'all. Y'all been rocking really heavy. Uh, So aside from my home state, I've been seeing the analytics and y'all been supporting your girl. So thank you. And thank you for everybody all across the globe. Uh, I got some international folk. I saw some Russia, the Netherlands, although dem coins actually mean something in Dutch, but I don't know what it means. But anyway, shout out to everyone uh, listening in the States and beyond. Okay, now let's get into today's topic buying real estate with no money down. Now, I'm sure you've seen um, gurus and the like and um, all sorts of people talking about how you can get into real estate with no money or little to no money down. And certainly there are a couple of options. Um, I'm going to give you sort of the cliff notes of the different types of options. There are literally entire platforms and entire podcasts dedicated to said options that I will mention. So uh, yeah, feel free. If you want to dig in some more, feel free. Um, As I've uh, discussed in earlier episodes, the purpose of this podcast is to give you a plethora of options to increase and manage your coins than you with The financial self-awareness can create filters for yourself so you can discern what options work best for you and what options may not be the best for you. In case you forgot, no worries. Our five principles of financial self-awareness are assessing your true values, your goals with deadlines, your risk tolerance, the sacrifices you're willing to make and your skills, gifts, and passions. That's all lumped into one. So if you need a little refresher, feel free to reference episodes two and three of this podcast. All right, so trucking right along. All right, so option number one, if you're looking to get into real estate investing uh, specifically, is wholesaling. Now, wholesaling... um, is a little controversial um, now with, uh, you know, economic empowerment and wanting to um, keep our properties within our communities. Um, But nonetheless, wholesaling can be um, a good option to get your feet wet in real estate investing. So what is wholesaling as it pertains to real estate? Wholesaling is getting a property under contract well below its value and selling the contract, not the actual building, you're selling the contract to another investor. So essentially you play the middle man or the middle woman in this scenario. So a home that has an after repair value of $250,000 may be 
wholesaled to an investor for $50,000. In this scenario, the $50,000 also includes the wholesaler's fee. The investor may put in $100,000, may be all in $150,000, sells the home for $250,000 and the investor profits $100,000. Now, how does the wholesaler make money off of that? The wholesaler charges a fee to the investor for doing the negotiating. So fees vary. It can be a couple hundred dollars if you're just first getting started. It can be $20,000, $30,000 for negotiating the contract down with the owner of the home. So it does vary and you can set your own price. So again, the investor purchases the contract from you after you've negotiated the price of the home down. The investor buys the property from the owner with the contract that you have, you pocket, you charge, you know, a $5,000 fee. The investor that you sold the contract to then puts in some sweat equity, fixes up the place, and then either puts it back on the market and just resells it for the new price that it is, aka the ARV, or the investor decides to hold it long-term. So they may decide to, you know, be a landlord, get some tenants in there and keep the property long-term. So that's pretty much the cliff notes for wholesaling. Stick with me. I know that was kind of a lot of information if this is your first time hearing about wholesaling, but don't worry, you got this if this is something you're interested in. Now, the reason why people say wholesaling um, is little to no money down is because the work is in the negotiating, right? You don't have to actually buy the property, um, but there is a little bit of money involved. So it's technically not 100% free. So I'm gonna talk about some of the expenses that may come with wholesaling. Earnest money, right? If you've ever tried to buy a house, you know about earnest money. It's the money that you give to the homeowner, non-refundable, that says, hey, I'm serious about your house. I'm putting $1,000 down. If I don't follow through with this sale, then you can keep that $1,000. Wholesaling has become very popular. So putting in some earnest money and putting some skin in the game can set you apart from the competition. Another option is that you may need to purchase lists. So you want to find leads, right? Essentially, wholesalers are calling people, reaching out to people day in and day out and asking if they want to sell their homes. Well, how do you get qualified leads? You can look up um, different divorce uh, lists in your uh, in your town. You can find tax delinquent folks. Those are usually people who don't want their homes anymore. Um, probate homes, things like that. Um, you may have to purchase those lists. Another potential cost is light marketing, right? You see those signs on the side of the road all the time, you know, we'll buy a home in any condition. Those are usually wholesalers trying to get homes under contract. They also may need to purchase marketing for after they get a home under contract. So they may put up signs online um, or physical, you know, picket signs um, on interstates and busy intersections to say, hey, I've got a house. Who wants to buy, you know, qualified investors only or something like that. Um, wholesaling requires a lot of persistence and it is ultimately a sales position. So 
be clear about that. Um, if you're interested in getting involved in wholesaling, more power to you. Um, I realized that that was not my bag. Uh, it's not my ministry, um, not my portion and not my cup. But if anyone's interested, more power to you. And best of luck to you in your endeavors. Once again, it is a great option to get your foot in the door if you are low on funds. Now, another option moving right along is hard money. Um, I'm sure many people have heard of hard money. Hard money is money given from an investor to you to purchase and or fix a home and resell it for a higher price. So in this scenario, you are not playing a middleman. The investor is your bank, essentially, is how this works. So with hard money lending, you have to know your numbers through and through. You have to know how much the after repair value of that property is going to be, how much money is going to cost to fix it, how much it's going to resell for. You have got to know your numbers because if you fumble this, you're going to be in some trouble. Um, typically, hard money lenders only look at the quality of the investment. And that's why a lot of people like this option. So if you have poor credit, but you know your numbers are on point, you know this um, this this area is gonna appreciate, you know, they're building, you know, a Walmart across the street, um, you know, they're fixing things up and you know this area is on the rise and this uh, property is going to sell and sell quickly, Hard money lenders may be a good option. So we're going to use the same scenario of the $250,000 value home. So you go up to, you know, the home owner and you say, hey, I want to buy your home for $100,000. Homeowner agrees. You know that it's only going to take $50,000 to get that home in tip top shape. So you go to the investor and you say, hey, Mr. Hard Money Man or Woman, I have a home under contract for $100,000. It's going to take only $50,000 to repair this home. And this property, I know, I know, I know I can sell it for $250,000. Will you give me the money to buy this property and fix it up. Investor, hard money person says yes, but they're giving it to you at 10% interest because that's the that's the stickler with hard money is that yes, they only look at the value um, of the investment, but their interest rates tend to be pretty high. So at $150,000 with 10% interest, that's $15,000 that the investor is charging you to be able to use their money, basically. So all in, you're at $165,000. You fix the home, you jazz it up, it looks cute. You put it back on the market, surprise, surprise, it sells for $250,000. So the home sold for $250,000. You say, hey, Mr. Hard Money Man, we just sold the home. Here goes your money back with interest, which was $165,000. And now you get to pocket $85,000. So that's how that would work. Now, obviously, I'm not taking taxes into consideration. Talk to your tax attorneys and accountants in your state, but that's the gist of it. 
So this kind of serves as a free option because the hard money lender gives you the money to fix and flip the house. But again, you have to know your numbers through and through. You obviously have to be connected to investors in order to pitch, um, you know, your different deals. And um, you got to be a grinder for this type of work. So if that's for you, hey, I'm here for it. I rock with it. Go out there and make your money. Okay. All right. So option number three, it's a pretty self-explanatory option is to partner. Now, obviously partnering is kind of cool because it really gives you the freedom to structure your agreement in any way you want. You can go 50-50 with someone. You can go 80-20 with someone. You can go you know, a hundred and zero with someone, um, if you would like. Again, you have a lot of different options with how to structure um, a deal if you decide to partner with someone. It doesn't necessarily have to be another investor. It can be um, another family member, or another friend. You know, obviously, you know someone that you trust. But um, you can have three partners. You can have five partners. You can have one other partner. Again, it gives you a lot of uh, creative freedom. So now we're going to move into two um, what are called creative finance um, investment strategies. Now, there are a ton of them. Again, I don't know all of them. Um, not your local real estate guru, but I'm going to go into the two most common ones that I've heard of, and that's seller financing and subject to. Now they are very similar. And for the longest, I could not tell the difference between the two. So I'm going to go ahead and break that down for us. So in seller financing, the owner becomes the bank. So how does this work? I am Margaret. I have paid out my home in full. My, again, $250,000 home is paid in full. But most of my family lives down in Florida and I want to move down to Florida. So I'm looking to sell my home. An investor comes up to me and says, hey, I want to buy your home. I'll give you $100,000 now and I'll pay you in increments of $2,000 every month, right? So that's one example. Now with this option, you can agree with the homeowner to just pay out the quote unquote monthly mortgage payments that you agree to, right? The $2,000 that you agree to pay every month. Um, typically a lot of homeowners, you know, like you to put a decent amount of money down and then maybe make a balloon payment later in the future. But again, this allows for a lot of flexibility because number one, you don't have to go to the, through the traditional banks. Um, so that is a nice perk. However, your negotiation skills have to be on point to get the homeowner, i.e., homeowner Margaret to trust you enough to adhere to the contract. Now, subject two, subject two is only a little different in that the homeowner doesn't completely own their home outright. So what happens is the same thing, the homeowner, homeowner Margaret is now playing the bank, right? You don't have to go to a traditional lender, but they don't own their home outright. So you, the investor, agrees to pay the mortgage payment. You take over the mortgage payment. So again, going back to our example, homeowner Margaret, you know, she's trying to get down to Florida. Like she's trying to be down there with her family. You feel me? I'm trying to be down there with my family, right? I'm homeowner Margaret. And so 
I want to sell my house, but I don't own it completely outright. You know, there's still, you know, maybe $50,000 left on the mortgage. An investor comes up to me and say, hey, I want your house. And guess what? I'll put $10,000 down and every month I will pay you $2,000 or whatever the mortgage payment is, you know, from their lender. And ladies and gentlemen, that is where the name comes from. Subject to the legal agreement is subject to the terms of the original mortgage payment. So if, you know, me, Margaret, home buyer Margaret, if my full mortgage payment with taxes, insurance, principal, and all that is $1,500, the investor then takes over that complete payment. All right. So I hope I was able to distinguish again uh, the difference between seller financing and subject to. Again, the main difference is that in seller financing, I own my home outright. And in subject to, I still have a mortgage on my home. So keep that in mind. We are back. So uh, we've wrapped up sort of the investor options and certainly investors can use the other options I'm about to mention, but these specific options really apply to people who just want to buy a home, right? We've always been traditionally told that you need 20%. And I'm not knocking that if you are more comfortable putting 20% down, then by all means, you know, the traditional route is cool. Um, but for a lot of us, you know, we really dream of home ownership. And I just wanted to uh, share some other options uh, available for, you know, us common folk out here. Okay. So option number one in this category, uh, USDA and VA loans. Um, you know, honestly, when I was looking at uh, some of the perks of a VA loan, um, your girl almost enlisted like it's 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 a fantastic loan. So shout out to all of our uh, men and women who have served. Um, I only know of this in the U.S. If you're listening in a different country, um, I'm not sure what other options are available. But VA loans are pretty much backed by the U.S. government. Um, and obviously there's certain qualifications in terms of how long you served. Um, I don't think you can be dishonorably charged and qualify, but again, you have to go online. I'll put the link in the description box for uh, the official VA loan website. So you can go and see if you qualify for those of you that have served in the military. Again, uh, this is an option where you can put literally little to no money down. Um, I know it's not recommended to completely finance your home, but again, this is an option. Okay, so moving right along into USDA loans. These are also loans backed by the U.S. government. You can technically get your home completely financed um, if you have the proper qualifications and eligibility and, you know, you qualify and all that jazz. Um, and USDA loans are for the encouragement of people to uh, move out into rural areas. So there's actually a map um, on the USDA uh, website where you can see if the area that you're interested in buying a home in is considered a rural area. So again, it has to be, you know, sparse population, but you can always check on the map to see if where you want to buy a home qualifies as a rural area. And then if you have all the other qualifications, again, hey, you can go ahead and make that happen. So again, you may, you know, 
get lucky, you know, favor may fall upon you and you may have your home completely financed. But then again, there's also a lot of other costs that come with buying a home. So just keep that in mind. Again, not a completely free option, but a good option to get your foot in if you're really itching to get a house and you, you know you don't know where you're going to come up with this 20%. Shoot, some of us is even just getting 15% down for a home. This can be uh, a really good option for you, you know, move out in the country. Um, also, uh, the USDA also has um, farming loans. So if you're interested in starting like a family farm, you know, y'all want to grow some oranges, some cabbage, some something, and you are having difficulty getting traditional commercial loans through the bank, they also have um, farming loans. So that can be a good incentive to start that family business get some acres, live out in the country and feed the people. All right. And another option is NACA, the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America. They are a non-for-profit that helps significantly cut down a lot of the initial costs with owning a home. Um, So that's another option for you. They help pay for down payment, closing costs, PMI, points, and you can also buy down the interest on your home. So again, this can be a good option, Um, but they do have a bit of a notorious um, reputation. They are known for making people go through hoops, literally, to get their homes Um, So just keep that in mind. Uh, If you are all about customer service and people being prompt, you might want to avoid this option or you might want to start this option literally a year out before you need to move out because they're not going to be quick and speedy. That is just a fact. No slander. It's just a fact. Okay. All right. So there's also many grants. Um, in your state. Um, I know that some of these uh, grants are only for first-time home buyers, but not all of them. Some of these grants incentivize people to move into areas on the come up, you know, some areas that need, you know, a little touch of love, just a touch of love, like they just need a little love. Don't be laughing at my singing. But again, these options do exist. And many people actually do grant stacking where, you know, your state may offer three different grants that you qualify for. Well, you can literally stack them on top of each other. And if each grant is $4,000, well, that's $12,000 going towards the cost of, you know, acquiring your home. So that can make a huge difference for many of us. Now, if you have looked at grants in the past, uh, these past couple of months, you may have seen that some of these grants have been temporarily suspended due to COVID. However, as the prospect of a vaccine, you know, on the horizons that can help tame this beast uh, is, you know, coming out. We're starting to see the reinstitution of business and commerce and grants, right? Government funding and things like that being ramped back up again. So, Remain hopeful and continue to look into these options. Um, I know that, for instance, in Illinois, the first home Illinois grant was suspended for like the first couple of months of COVID. And then when I checked it, I think it was in September, the grant was reinstated. So remain hopeful and keep checking for those grants in your state. They'll usually be listed on your um, your state website, you, you might have to do a little bit bit of digging, but you'll be able to find it on most um, 
state websites. Again, some of these are for first-time homeowners and then some of them are not. So you wanna make sure you look at the qualifications. So I hope all of these options were helpful, uh, insightful. Um, you know, I feel like there is kind of a little bit of a strategy for anyone who's interested in either investing in real estate or just buying one home to live in. Um, again, this is not um, an opportunity for me to shove down home buying down your throat. If you are comfortable renting, there is no problem with that. Renting actually makes a lot more sense in a lot of different scenarios, right? Living in high cost cities, there's so many different scenarios where it just makes sense. Homes are a huge responsibility, especially if you're going to be a long-term buy and holder, right? You're gonna become a, a landlord or a landlady, right? So again, this is um, this is not a light decision, right? Most of our biggest purchases in our lifetime for many of us will be our homes if we choose to. So don't let anyone bully you into buying a home, okay? Know thyself. And if after this episode, you're like, yep, I'm very much interested, check out the links in the description, uh, continue to do research, talk to other homeowners, and please stay encouraged. There are so many options that I didn't talk about um, on today's episode. Continue to do your research. I'll continue to bring the resources as I get them um, because many of us, that is our dream. And we have allowed other people to suppress our dream of home ownership. But I'm telling you, there are options. Remain hopeful, You know, remain prayerful. And this can truly be a reality for any of us that want it. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email. Hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? <laughs> I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged. <laughs>